Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O dot com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Ryan Walsh, founder and CEO at RepView. Ryan calls himself a recovering CRO after a long run of filling nearly every sales role there is. He's been an enterprise AE, a sales director, the VP of sales, and the CRO of global organizations, and he's done it all with great success. As the CRO of Channel Advisor, he started first as a day one AE and rose through the ranks to lead a 230-person global sales organization, including taking them through a successful IPO. Now, over the course of his journey, Ryan realized there was a huge problem in matching salespeople to organizations where they were a better fit. Much of the turnover in sales stems from salespeople realizing they're a bad fit after they've joined a team. Ryan and his team at RepView help make career decisions by driving transparency in sales organizations and matching salespeople with roles that better fit their values and their skill sets. Building an elite sales team always starts with adding the right people to the team and being the kind of leader that attracts the right talent. And I'm excited to talk about today and what I think will be a really important conversation. Listen, tons is happening right now that's having an impact on retention of salespeople and as a result, the attainment of sales goals. This is a topic that needs to be discussed, and I've been looking forward to having Ryan on the show and what I know will be both a fun and an insightful conversation. Ryan, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Really appreciate it and super excited to talk about attainment and success in sales and maybe a little, a few other topics as well, but I, I really appreciate it. No, I'm excited to have you. I, 
I, the first thing I'm going to say is for people that haven't uh, connected with you yet, while you're listening to this episode, go to LinkedIn and connect with Ryan. Ryan, you throw down some of the best content regularly. I mean, you are this n- never ending fountain of insights on what's <laughs> going on, man. In fact, this morning, just before we, we uh, started recording this, I was spent a good chunk of time on your most recent post. So I love what you're bringing to the sales community. In fact, that's a great way to start. Why don't you introduce RepView to our listeners and talk just for a minute what you do for your customers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, and, and just touching on that on the LinkedIn piece, right? I haven't been, you know, my CRO role ended about four years ago, right? So it's like, well, I, you know, that's been a little while. But with RepView, I am talking to salespeople all day long, right? So obviously, we have content that that we generate from our business at RepView, but just engaging with salespeople all day long and hearing what challenges they're going through now. Uh, helps me with curating that content. It's coming straight from the the reps that I'm engaged with. But I appreciate the opportunity to to share a little bit about what rep you is. But in, and you gave a, a pretty good summary. But in in short, you know, sales professionals when making a decision for their career have limited access to really what's behind the curtain at that sales organization. It's company A or sales organization A that just raised a bunch of money sounds exactly like sales organization B that just raised a bunch of money. They all have the best cultures. They all just raised a bunch of money. They're thinking about an IPO, check out our foosball table. That's really cool. We're doing hybrid back in the office. So are we, it's all the same. So what, what do you, what do you use? What do you leverage to make that decision? Can you leverage Glassdoor? Well, eh, you know, I think we all know the challenges with that, you know, and, unless you have a good friend that works in that sales organization, it's really, really hard. So in practical terms for sales professionals, you can go to RepView and access detailed behind the scenes profiles of sales organizations, all based on structured data from salespeople that we verified worked in those sales organizations. How much money can you earn? What percent of the team's hitting quota, culture scores, product market fit scores. Um, We're just collecting a, a treasure trove of data that we're then turning in a kind of a consortium type model and giving back to sales professionals at a rating of any B2B sales org where you've sold. And then you can access these detailed profiles of, of about 400 of the world's most well-known sales orgs. We have about 4,000 orgs that are rated, but we only publish the profile once we get at least seven data points, seven you know user ratings that we can aggregate together. Um, so a highly data focused kind of uh, ratings platform and, um, and part of our commercial strategy, to your point, customers' talent is a huge priority for all growing sales organizations. And we're helping connect uh, our user base with, with incredible opportunities. And then we're also leveraging our data uh, to help sales organizations level up what they're doing in the environment that they're providing to, uh, to their constituents, a.k.a. their team members, their sales professionals. Nice. Well, what... Okay, so that's super cool, and and I like what you do, and I can't wait to dive into some of these lessons you've learned as we apply some things that sales leaders can can do a better job either attracting or retaining the right people. But before we do, I I, I gotta have you tell a little bit of your story, man. How yeah. how'd you get started in sales? Very few people, very few of us were like, well, I want to be in sales when I grow up, right? And uh, yeah. how, how did yeah. that lead you to having the opportunity to starting something like RepView? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm one of those people too. I didn't go to school for sales. I didn't, um, you know, study sales. I wasn't planning on being a sales professional. 
uh, coming out of college. What ended up happening for me was I, it was the dot com boom when I came out. Not to give my age away here, but and I got hooked up with the with a startup in in end of ninety nine, early two thousand, and they were just fortunate enough to have a, a good exit before the whole thing came crashing down. And the two co-founders uh, about a year later started another company and said, Hey, you know, they took about 20 of us that were at their prior company and started this new company called Channel Advisor. So I was there on day one and, and I had done a whole bunch of different things in the startup. And, and, but I really enjoyed it. Some of that was selling. I did some selling. It was a startup, you know, and I said, I'd like to, I'd like to pursue that track. And that's really what got me on that track. I, I just fell into it. I enjoyed doing it. I closed a couple of deals early on and, and I, and I was good at it. Right. And, and it's one lesson I tell people. Some, some people don't really like this message, but uh, you hear a lot. Do something you're passionate about. Do something you're passionate about. Well, it, you know, I think most of the things I'm passionate about don't involve sitting at a desk in front of a computer. Right. Um, <laughs> I said, do, do things you're good at. Do things where you can make a good living at. Right. I mean, some people are fortunate where they can find a balance. But so I got into sales that way. Five years, five or so years. I was an, an enterprise AE, as you mentioned. Uh, then I, you know, I was, I saw success and by yeah, same business card for five straight years. Not many people can say that I got to move wow. up. I got to move up. I got to move up. No, no, no. I'm good. I was traveling. I was making good money. You know, I was, you know, reasonably early in my career and I was fine with that. I wasn't pushed. And I think that allowed me to hone my craft. And then I moved into, you know, some sales leadership roles and eventually around 2010, uh, I was, I was promoted to vice president of sales. So ran kind of all of the America region. And then a couple of years later, CRO, which in, involved kind of the global organization. Um, and, and that was really a long run. We, we did an IPO in around 2013. Um, and so I got to see all sides of it. Enterprise AE, regional director role, ran account management and sales engineering and ops enablement. And, and, and it was a SaaS play, a very early SaaS play um, as well. So that's my background. Um, and what led me to Repu was seeing, even when I was at, at Channel Advisor leading the sales organization, hey, w- we struggled to get more than 35% of the team over quota, right? And, and that was okay, right? We were still able to do some good things. We struggled in the U.S. We could never get a tri- A big priority is get, get attrition below 25% in the U.S. But we could, I don't know if we ever did it in a year in sales, the sales attrition, right? And why is that? What? You know, good. We had good years. We had challenging years, and it can never get below twenty five percent. So, to me, it's like, where are we missing here? Why? Why are we? What are we missing in this whole thing? And part of it was in the interview process, sales professionals don't have access to the decisions so that they can make the right decision for themselves. You know, it's all about all the content on LinkedIn. Maybe outside of my stuff is how you know, employers can make the best decisions about hiring. Well, what about employees? What about sales yeah. professionals? How can yeah. they make the best decisions? Um, and, and it started as a side project. I was at a consulting business. It started as a side project and it just took off. And so we've, um, we've embraced it and we're, we're really focused on growing it and, and being a, a really incredible resource for sales professionals and not to, you know, get too ahead of ourselves, but we've got some really pretty exciting things coming down the pipeline over the next couple of months with RepView too. Nice. Well, congratulations on your success, and thanks for sharing that. <clears throat> and I think that really sets it up for what we want to talk about, because I think the timing is perfect, Ryan. We're at the halfway point in the year, uh, at least if you're on the fiscal year being your your, finan- your financial calendar being the same as your annual calendar. We're, we're right at that midpoint, man. And uh, it's the perfect time to kind of push pause and say, how are we doing? Are we on track? How, how do we accelerate down the stretch? 
can you just share what you're seeing is happening with attainment right now? Uh, attainment is a big, big deal. It's like, that's our mission. Our mission is to fund our companies, right? Well, how, how, how are things going there? Generally speaking, as you look at that world? Yeah, sure. And, and a couple of kind of cursor precursor points to that. We at RepU, we collect data uh, from sales professionals related to what's going well about organizations, what's not going well about organizations. Uh, it's a structured survey, including um, what percent of the team is hitting quota, right? So we, we have access to this data and, and have been collecting it at scale for, for over a year now. And what we're seeing, in pro- and the other precursors to this conversation is that most of what we have is technology. So software being the largest bucket, SaaS and software, IT and services, Okay. Uh, as well as internet. So, so most of the data, not all of it, but most of it's not gated anyway, but most of it is tech related. So I just want to kind of put that out there for the listeners so they understand what kind of industries thank, we're talking mostly. Yeah. About. Thank you. That's really good that you made that point. Thank you. Sure. And, and, and so early on, right, we, we've seen the trends roughly in the, in what percent of team hits quota. And we don't ask users, did, did you hit quota? Right. We don't ask that question because everybody hits quota. If you ask them that question, we ask what percent. <laughs> I never missed. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, you, you'd see a stark difference in the results if, if you ask those two questions. But so we feel comfortable that it's 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 a it's a really good gauge for where we're at. Um, and there's COVID in there, but I, I don't think that really made a huge difference up or down in terms of what percent of the org is hitting quota. It's in the low 40s uh, across technology. Another data point is about one in 50 sales organizations, one in 50 has over 75% of their team hitting quota. Okay. Is that good? Is that bad? I think obviously if you're hitting 75%, if you have 75% of the team, that's a, that's a world-class number right there. It's, it's incredible. One in 50. Wow. One in 50. Yeah. One out of 50 sales organizations uh, shows 75%. And I talk to salespeople every day and they're like, I would never go work for an organization that only has, you know, 50% of the team hitting quota. I'm like, well, you just cut off about 80% of the 80%, maybe not 80, but about 60% of the, the, the market for where you're going to work. And, and, and an organization that has 45% of the org hitting quota, um, that's not a bad organization necessarily. There's pros, there's cons. Every organization has pros and cons. And we're going to talk in a minute about why these numbers are what they are. But I just want to kind of say that you know, expectations matter. It's important, right? When, when you're interviewing for jobs, right? To, to understand these numbers, understand, you know, what the sales leaders are doing to, to, to improve them. But just so everybody knows about 45% of tech sales professionals are hitting quota. It's a little higher for SDRs. It's a little lower for AEs um, than that number. Um, and, and that's kind of where we are in the state of, of quota attainment. Um, and so, you know, if, if you don't have any questions about that kind of background, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, you know, why that is in technology. Yeah. Let's talk about the why, because the number isn't, is one that makes you want to like pause. That's a really interesting number. And, and you're right. There's a lot of people that will say, Oh, I could never work for a place that doesn't have at least 50%. And then it's been less than 50 for a long time. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been, that's, that's not. That's always interesting when I hear that. So let's talk about the why, because those are some great stats you shared. But for our listeners to understand what's behind the numbers and then more important, what can we do about it? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, let's let's start there with the funding that's coming into technology companies. Right. And the the growth expectations that come along with those fundings. What what happens when a technology company 
raises a, call it a series A round. What, what that means is they've presented a PowerPoint to, to generate some funding. And in that PowerPoint are growth numbers. And the whole objective of their series A is to get them to a series B, full stop. That's it. When you're on the, the you know, the merry-go-round of series A, series B, series C, you, you really can't get off. It's, it's not possible. And the reason why is because SaaS businesses inherently are, are structured such that you're, you're bringing in a lot of money. You're investing a lot of money to drive customer growth early, knowing and hoping. And in many cases, it does work. Uh, it's just a matter of how efficient you are, knowing that those customers will pay dividends down the road because your customer acquisition cost pays off in time because your, your lifetime value of the customer you know, is eight, you know, the lifetime of the customers, eight years is 10 years and you're getting a recurring revenue. So if you can spend money now to acquire those customers, it's all going to work out in the end. But now spend that, that upfront investment, how do you spend money? It's all about growth and it's all about getting to that next kind of series B. And so what happens, the money comes in, the growth expectations are exceptionally high and you've got a higher, 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 higher. And there's a, a, a an imbalance of the kind of, product market fit, uh, the, you know, kind of the overall market and capacity planning with the need to hire sales professionals. And what ends up happening is models are built by the CFO and the CEO that show, hey, we can get to that Series B. It's going to require this amount of investment in sales and marketing. It's not going to be very efficient, but we'll get there by throwing bodies at it. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the message. And that is the practice that is happening. And we're seeing it. We're seeing 40% of the team hit quota AEs. We're seeing attrition at, you know, 40% of sales organizations. We're seeing these metrics play out. Wow. And so what, what that means ultimately is that your failure as a sales professional is built into their model in the C-suite, like full stop, right? That's the model. And, you know, and so it, it just becomes a revolving door and, and you see, you know, salesperson, 18 months, 18 months, 18 months, 18 months, 18 months. Oh, that's a job hopper. Well, okay, maybe. But it's also a, a function of the system that naturally will churn out, you know, 50% of that team because they know they're not going to hit. And this, and the C-suite and the organization can still succeed and in some cases thrive under these metrics because they know more dollars are going to be, are going to be funneled into the organization. Um, and so, so that's, that's kind of a, a high level summary of what I'm seeing, you know, and you see it like, you know, the, 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 just in the last two weeks, gone 400 million outreach, 200 million, Salonis raised a billion, uh, right. G2 and, you know, uh, raised 157 million. Apparently ratings are really hot right now, Rob. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> there you go, man, you guys are in the right world, <laughs> uh, but, but that's, a, that's, that, that's a lot of money. And, that, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm just mentioning a few that are off kind of top of my head here, but it's every week they're happening. Right. And and then how do you get off that merry-go-round? Is it, well, we do an IPO to sort of, but then you got public markets to deal with. Right. And it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's just a different flavor of the same challenge. Right. Um, you know, so, so like I said, their, their model bakes in your, your failure as a salesperson, right. They know that the overall aggregate quota attainment is going to be 78%. They know that, 60% of the team's not going to hit. And they know that there's going to be six reps out of 40 that are going to kill it and carry the, carry the team, right? That's it. And, and sales, if salespeople are listening or even sales leaders, like that's your reality and you know it is. Um, it's just a matter of 
you know, are there, are there things you can do to, to improve it or, and what, and what is that? So what's, so given that, that's a really good state of the attainment world for a SaaS company. And I think, yeah, it may be that that's really focused on SaaS, but I work with enough companies. So in my practice, I work with a, a wide variety of markets and I think what you're describing from those that win and those that don't win is not that different. I think that that they all have, there's different versions of that Pareto principle that you just described, right? And um, but we but most leaders have learned to rely on their stars, you know, be grateful for the high core, and then you know whatever happens with the rest happens. And that, I think that's just kind of what happens. So what's a sales leader to do, man? Like you, 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 what, what are you the most successful sales leaders doing to try and start to buck this trend? Yeah. I mean, so there, there's two, it's a great question. And, and um, there's really two things. There's really two tracks for this conversation. Okay. Number one is you're in the role. Okay. And you, and you got to figure out how you can make a dent and, and drive an environment despite everything that's going around you related to some of these challenges and I say challenges, right? A company raising $250 million, right? You know, it's not, there's some positives to that, right? You're doing really well, right? But at the same time, you've still got this challenge. Like as a sales leader, you need to be responsible for everybody you hire, right? Every single person, right? And you need to invest in them and hopefully they can hit quota and be successful. This is their livelihood, right? So you have to step back from this numbers game and be the type of leader that truly cares about, about the people, right? So, 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 kind of track one is what do you do when you're in there and you're kind of battling this, you know, CEO is pretty happy that, you know, 40% of the team hit and you hit your annual number and you're going to get that series B where you're kind of struggling with why well, I had 60% of the people that didn't hit and there's some grumbling right. going on. Right. So, so how do you, how do you kind of kind of combat that? And the second track is what, what, what do very successful sales leaders do to beat this trend? Well, first of all, they pick the right company you do significant research up front on the company. And, and so RepView is focused mainly on individual contributor, sales professionals, first line managers. Like we're not really a resource for CRO, VP of sales, right? That's not real. I mean, we are on kind of more of a customer side, but not in a, in a transparency side so much. Um, you've probably heard the, the old saying, throw a uh, great leadership team at a really bad market and the market wins every time, right? Yeah. That's right. And so when you think about, oh, you hear this as VP of sales tenure, 18 months, 14 months, whatever the X months is, right? It's, it's not high. Okay, fine. I get that. But, but I think there's a, a big trend in like, yeah, get the VP of sales job. But if you get the wrong VP of sales job, you will only be there 18 months. And a lot of it is product market fit. And, you know, if, if that, if, if, like I said, a, a great leadership team against a bad market and the market wins every time. So first, let me just get that out of the way and say that, do your research on the organization before joining, right? Significant research, whether you're an enterprise rep or especially if you're a head of sales. And I don't get maybe get recruited as much as I used to um, for those types of roles, but you know that I did. And, and every every once in a while, I'd take a peek at some, and I, I would go super deep in the operational model, and I would build my own operational model based on everything I could I could know and find out about. So so heads of sales, if you're exploring opportunities. Build your own operational go-to-market model uh, for any op- for any organization that you're considering joining. And what that means is 
understand current headcount, understand current capacity, understand current output of those heads, understand expectations for growth, and do all the numbers. What are the next 18 months, month over month over month look like? Understand churn of your customers and build a revenue model yourself. Don't take the revenue model that has been given to you. So, so that's first and foremost. Before you get into the role, you know, you've got to do all that upfront work. That's such good advice, Ryan. And I want to hold on that because you're, you're preaching right now and I love where you are, but I want to, I want to push pause because that's something we have a lot of people that are listening to this show that are probably evaluating new leadership positions right now. Okay. Uh, Because I just saw something um, from Amy Volus, who I'm sure you know, Mm -hmm. uh, where she said the number one job right now that she sees coming through the highest growth is sales leadership, sales director level positions. It's up 60%. Yeah, and, and so um, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, I don't know where I heard it. Here's my version of what you just said, and I'll be interested to get your take. Would you rather have the world's greatest product in a crappy with crappy demand or crappy market, or would you rather have average product but killer market, killer demand? I would argue that it's not the world's greatest product if you're in a market with, without the demand Good for it. answer. What a great answer. Okay. So it's, <laughs> I, it's, I always it's, say take the, take the great market every time is what I say. You take that great market every time, man. Yeah. Like, I love how you said that. Your product obviously isn't the greatest if the market's not accepting it. So Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, and we, and it, at, at RepView, we have a category that users rate their organization on. It's product market fit, right? So product and market are one, are not two categories separately, right? Like, you know, if, if you have a great market, there's going to be more, first of all, there's going to be more than one winner, more than likely, right? Of in that market, right? If, if you, there's not room for two people to do well, it's a bad, it's a really small market, right? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Right. So, you know, maybe you're looking at an opportunity with, somebody that's second or third maybe in the market, but it's a great market and you've done the research on that. And, and so that's potentially a good opportunity, but at the same time, you have to understand, um, you know, where are, you know, how big is that market? How do you determine that? How much room to run is there? Hey, you've got nine sales reps. You're going to be a VP of sales or 12 sales reps. And, and the goal and the, the C-suite has said, we, we want to get to 25. Can, is that possible? How, how will we do that? What is churn of, what does a churn in the in the team look like? What does a churn in the customers look like? What is the average deal size? You know, what's an output of a rep? What does that mean, right? So many times I did this, and I did this is actually an exercise when I had that consulting business. This is what I did a, a lot of times was they would come and say, our expectation for growth, we're going to grow at 80% next year. And I would run through this whole exercise and I would say, look, hey, actually, it's going to be 35, right? And here's the numbers. And here's why it's going to be 35. And here's four levers that you can pull to get it to 80%. Are you prepared to pull those levers? Maybe it's, you know, your, your, your expectations for attainment is off. You didn't bake in any rep turnover into your team or you baked in 10%. It's, it's going to be 40%, right? Or, you know, whatever that is. Um, you know, so that is just super, super important for sales leaders to, uh, to really dig in and evaluate the, the operational model, which ties to the product market fit. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, great market. I mean, product doesn't really mean much if it's great, but nobody's going to buy it. You know, anyway, I, I resonate, I, I connected to what you said there. So I, I think that is such a great start. Um, it is just getting that right model and making sure that you're in a place where the expectations are, are in a good spot. I mean, I, I you said something that I want to go back to also that there's, I'm going to call it, it's actually the second thing that you wanted to come back to. And maybe we just mm-hmm. go to it. 
I, I'm calling it the paradox. You know, the CEO is happy that you had the 40% get there because that was what worked for her or his model. But the mm-hmm. CRO or the VP of sales is like bum saying, man, 60% of my people didn't get there. Yeah. Uh, and it's this interesting paradox um, that I, I haven't heard it discussed quite the way that you're bringing it up because usually people just shine light on the fact that only 40% of the people hit quota, right? right. So, Right. Yeah. Well, you know, th- th- this is how the models work, right? In that situation that you just described, the VP of sales or whatever the head of sales role is in that company, maybe it's a CRO or whatever it is, SVP of sales, they probably hit their number too. Right. If the CEO hit the number, I mean, there, there might be an external number, right. an internal number, a board number and an, and an internal number uh, for the company. But if the C, if the VP of sales didn't hit their number, they were they were pretty close. I, I'm guessing in that scenario that you described where the, the CEO hit their number and then you and then you drop all the way down to the reps. And, yeah, only 40 percent hit. So the reps have each have an 800K quota and eight and there's five on a team. And so that's, you know, 4 million, but the manager's quota is 3.2. And then there's four managers. And so there's this cascading effect of quota capacity in general. As a VP of sales, your quota capacity is probably, you know, 1.5x your goal, right? And that is what I mean when their model equates to failure of many, many reps on the team. And by the way, I don't think that's that's inherently a bad practice, right? I, I think that inherent, like, it's just the same as like a sales rep. You better have more deals in your pipeline than, than your number in a given quarter, right? It's a similar concept to that. I think there needs to be more transparency in it. And I th- and, and also like the sales reps are going to turn over. They're going to leave for, for better or for worse, right? So I want to start with that and just say that that is not an inherently bad principle. The, the good sales leaders and the best sales leaders understand that. They take that on and then they also say, it's still my job to get as many of these people, as many of these sales professionals as possible at or above their number. And I'm fully committed every day, every hour to working towards doing that, right? That's my entire focus. My entire focus is not my number and can we squeeze out to get this and hit there? Like, because you know, if you hit, if you have, you know, every person on your team hits, you're going to blow your number out of the water. Right. So, so what are you doing? Like, what what are the things that you can do to make that happen? That's where the, the real blocking and tackling of, quality leadership comes in with process the right the right people the right process the right culture which is by the way the right people for the most part um you know and 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 the right selling environment right and the right and the right inner and the right interdepartmental relationships how are you working with marketing how are you working product um but that's and and you know we can dive into some of those you know specific areas as well but having the right people and having the right process and dedicating on a day-to-day basis. Like people ask, like, what does a VP of sales do all day? Like what, what, what exactly are you doing? Right? Like, and if somebody's asking that, what that really means is that they don't believe the head of sales is still getting into the weeds of the business. Right. Whereas my point is, and my feedback to VP of sales or, or new VPs of sales is, don't get too far away from the details, right? Don't. Why is that? Let's, let's dive into that. I think that's really good advice. I'd love to hear your perspective of why. Why is because if, if you want to improve, you have to know what's, what needs improving. And, and the way, especially in SaaS and technology, the way sales organizations are structured, it's almost like an assembly line, right? It's a, it's a process, right? There's a funnel, right? So looking at every detailed stage of that, like, where am I? Le- 
who is my market? How are we engaging with that market? How many leads are coming in? How are they distributed? What's the conversion rate from lead to opportunity? What's the conversion rate from lead to opportunity by person, by region, by territory, by product? Then what are the four or whatever stages in our funnel? Where are they falling out? What's my close rate overall? Where and, and then so essentially what you're, you're diagnosing and they say, look, you, you meet as a VP of sales, you get with your leadership team. You mean, you say, here's the diagnosis. And, and personally, as a VP of sales, I'm doing that. Like maybe you have an ops person that helps with num- with the data and this and that. But you're looking at that. And you're saying, look, here's 40 data points that we could look at that can drive success or drag success for our organization. Let's find five that we can make an impact on, right? Let's, let's, find five, let's find the bottom five. And let's get those bottom five from a D plus to a C plus in the next quarter. Right. And then let's run the impact on what that can be. Right. So maybe it's right. There's some issue with the, you know, a certain territory and leads aren't converting. And and in some cases you will find like structural technical problems with your funnel, your process. In some cases you'll find that, you know, Hey, this stage doesn't convert as well to this stage. So you use, maybe use call recording software and you listen to all the calls that that, like, what are we saying? Right. It's a combination of both the, the, the science, which is all these metrics, and the art, which is I found a problem at this stage. Let's go dig into the details of how we're communicating, how we're, what do our outbound emails look like? What do our, what do our discovery calls sound like? What, you know, maybe our contract is too much of a pain in the ass for people. I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you I know, love but, it. but that's the detail that, so when I say get it, like get your hands, like, get your hands dirty, right? Stay tight especially in growing organizations if you get too far away from the details uh, it's going to be a recipe for turnover not just for many people on your team but probably for you for you yeah that so that leads me to what like you just stimulated a thought man so i'm like sorry that i'm like cutting i'm I'm jumping in again because i love what you're sharing this has been really really insightful and i i hope our listeners go back and listen to this one a couple times this, I, this importance of the details would seem to me that it's going to help you with two audiences. One, it's going to help you with how you manage up, right? So yeah. you can, like you said, you've you got to have your own operational model, not just the one that got funded, right? The one yeah. that, you know, and, and that's a problem. If you didn't have any in, in, input on the model that got funded that your CEO is now going to have be held to the fire on, right? Um, mm-hmm. But one is the details will help you manage up. The other one's going to help you with how you lead your people up. Managing up versus leading up. Can, can you address or take either one of those or both and talk about the role? Because it's drastically different audiences. You will use your attention to the details in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think being an armchair quarterback or, or even just like someone that just relies on the reports isn't good enough. You got to yeah. be in the middle of those details so you can understand them. I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah. The, the first piece is the, the, you mentioned the operational model that a sales leader should build themselves. You need to, you need to reconcile that with your leader. So if I'm a VP of sales or a CRO and I report to the CEO, like that, that CEO needs to be aware of your operational model and make sure that it's jiving, right? If there's massive discrepancies, that is an absolute must of a conversation that needs to be had, right? What, what, what's driving these, like what assumptions, what metrics are driving these discrepancies and that, you know, that, that needs to be talked about you know, pretty openly at that, at that level as a, now, you know, as a founder and CEO, our org is not really big enough for me to like have a VP of sales direct report at this stage yet, hopefully soon. Um, 
but I've, I've even in, in my last role as a CRO, I had some VPs reporting to me where if they brought this type of stuff to me, it's like, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. Like, bring, like you're literally like, you know, making my job so easy, right? Because you're coming, whether it's you have a territory that you run, whether it's US or, you know, even a smaller territory or a division of the, of the sales organization. And you're saying like, Hey, you know, we, we performed at 94% last quarter. Um, here's three things that we know based on the data and the metrics and the, and the, and the research that we can improve on in the next quarter that we think will have a material impact. And here's why, here's how we pulled the data. Anytime a leader gets that level of, up, you know, kind of up managing up from the, the person on the team, it's just, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, it just really is. Um, and, and so that, that would be my advice for anyone continue who wants to continue to move up in the organization and, you know, bring that forward proactively. Don't wait to, to be asked. And this advice for really anybody in any career, right? Come with solutions. Don't come with problems. Proactively, proactively figure out how you can do better and make your boss's job better and easier. Um, you know, and the, and the other piece you, you just mentioned, you know, coaching as a, as a head of sales, I think is where you're going with the second half of that. But um, you're coaching to coach, you're coaching coaches, right? You, you know, right. and so, so you have to, you have to think about not just like, Hey, you, you, you know, your calls need to be better, this and that. It's like, how do you enable another leader to be able to coach better um, in their role? And that, and that's what I focus on is, you know, how are you, you know, run me, walk me through, talk about how you're structuring your meetings with your reports, walk me through. So, you know, and, and, you know, without going into all the gory details on that, like I would, any, any of my time on, on coaching at a VP of sales level, assuming the org has, you know, several layers of leadership, um, your, your, your managing managers, I should say, like your whole focus is how can I enable my leaders to enable their team, right? In, in, and, and make them, you know, make them better leaders by providing the coaching that maybe I received at one point early in my career, or maybe when I was managing individual contributors. I worked with them on, right? And 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 the, the managing individual contributors, if you are a sales leader who is managing individual reps, what I described in terms of um, the funnel process, like in finding those three or four points of failure, it's exactly the same. You're just doing it at an individual level, right? Like, hey, how many how many opportunities did you get? Did you create last quarter? Where did they come from? How can you get 12 instead of 11 next quarter. Well, how many did they close? Why did they fall off? You, every, every kind of, you have a funnel for an individual. You have a funnel for a, a team of eight. You have a funnel for a team of 200. It's all the same. And so it's really balancing the, the science, which is that funnel. And then when you identify those weak points, the best of the best sales leaders are able to quickly come up with the strategies to improve, whether it's, hey, my, I, I can get to closing, but I have a hard time closing right i get to closing say well, okay well, what's you know are you asking for the business or are you you know what's going on with your proposal process or what you know whatever it might be at a, at a given stage that's really really insightful i we're, we're we're starting to run low man we got we got about 10 more minutes and there's so many interesting places that we can we can go with this um i'm i I, I really like how you talked about that attention to the details can either fuel your growth 
or basically fuel your demise. Right. Right. And, and, um, is there any best practices on, on like how you've seen people do that? Because it's one thing to say, pay attention to the details, uh, for people that are listening, is there any kind of, could you give them kind of, Hey, these are a couple things you should be doing. If you're not doing this start, maybe here's a couple wolves in sheep's clothing. Are there anything like, Hey, these aren't as helpful as you might think. Is, is there anything like that? Because I think you're right in that devil in the details. Uh, and, and I'd love to give our listeners just anything we can to help them listen, get done listening to you and say, how do I be better? Because I listened to Ryan. Yeah. What, what, why don't you start with, Go to, go to your CRM. You know, I've always used Salesforce, but you know, whatever CRM you use, go look, go, you, you, you should have a dashboard as a VP of sales, right? Go look at that dashboard. How often do you really look at that data? Like every, there's maybe there's, I think, I don't know if they still have a limit in charts on the dashboard. I think it was 20. Yeah. I remember if I remember it's like 20 or 22 or something like that. Yeah. Do you have 20 on there and are, are 17 of them never looked at, right? Like, so what I'm, what I was talking about was you you have to understand what is happening with your business, right? That can start with a dashboard, right? And go reevaluate every report and dashboard that you think you should be looking at right now regularly and, and, and reconfigure that dashboard. If hopefully you have an ops person that can help you with it, if not, you better figure it out, right? If, If you don't have an ops person, if it's a smaller startup and you don't have the capability to, to do that, then you either need to find some budget to have a consultant do it, or you need to figure it out yourself. So first of all, go to that dashboard. What information and data is it telling you? This is like with RepView, like data is king. Like data is so valuable. You have to leverage the data that's in your system uh, to spit out the metrics that you need to make these decisions. So, you know, you kind of ask, what's something you can do right now? Go look at your dashboard. Was, when was the last time it was refreshed? Is it refreshed nine days ago? That's probably a, an issue, right? Is it refreshed 30 <laughs> days ago? That's probably an issue, right? That either means you're not thinking about the right things or you need to reconfigure your dashboard. So, so that's, you know, I like if, that. If, if, if you want one thing you can do today, start, start with that. Let me ask you one other question. Um, I think this might be a good way for us to wrap and then we'll get in, you know, kind of cl- conclude. And, and I first want to thank you again. This has been a really good conversation, Ryan. I, I really enjoy your perspective. I'm putting myself in the shoes of our listeners. I'm a, I'm a head of sales, might be a tech company, might be a manufacturing company, could be a financial related organization, but I lead a sales team. And um, a big part of my job always has been and always will be recruiting. And we started this that part of why attainment is a problem is we have bad matches or maybe we're not attracting the right people or maybe we're not being transparent enough. Mm-hmm. Any advice to our li- leaders how do you attract the right people? Not how do you convince the right, you know, go get it. Is there a way you could be like, you're firing off the bat signal up into the night sky, man. And how do you attract the right people to your organization like a magnet? Is there any like things you've seen these top leaders do as you've, you've identified what the great organizations are, you know, who has those right scores. Like I, I read your content every day that you pump out and it's awesome. Any commonalities on what the great leaders seem to have in common to attract the right fits? Yes, there is. And it's okay. expectations. And expectations matter a lot. And no sales organization is perfect, right? The, the, a, a lot of issues stem from just selling, selling, selling during the recruiting process, right? Understand where your strengths are. Understand where your weaknesses are, right? 
I see sales organizations every day. We look at the, you know, hey, this, like if I look at Repu, hey, that has a score of 88.2. Hey, this has a score of 88.2. Is it the same? Absolutely not. You dig in and you say, well, this one really struggles at lead flow, but everything else is pretty good. This, okay, well, you should probably find people or you should probably avoid people who don't want to make cold calls. But guess what? There's a lot of people that are comfortable with that and that can be a great fit. And so what ends up happening, it's just a, that's just a random example, but what ends up happening is that, you know, you get into sell mode and you don't realize that your company is a great fit for some people. It's not a great fit for everybody. So be realistic with the expectations. Talk about where you're really strong, but also talk about where you're weak and maybe what you're doing to resolve that. And it goes so far. I talk to sales professionals every day that really, really appreciate that, that when, when people own up to this is our, we're a good sales organization. We're a great company and this is where we're going. But hey, yeah, we've got things we want to fix. We've got things we want to resolve. And I'm committed as a sales leader to resolving those things. So it goes back to expectation and transparency and where, you know, what, what ends up happening on the flip side of that is people just get into sell mode in terms of recruiting and just get as many bodies as possible. And some of them are going to fall out. Some of them are going to work if they happen to be the right fit. But let's figure out that right fit up front by setting the right expectations for what your sales organization really, really is. I like that. That's really, really, I love that, man. I, I, I feel like if you can attract the right people, you're going to have a better chance on keeping or, well, first of all, recruiting and getting them to come. But but then keeping them, I love that on expectations. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's start to wrap. We, we this has been a killer conversation. I always like to wrap the conversation by having kind of this rapid fire three questions. Uh, it's it's fun to get all of our guests kind of take on it. Super insightful. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge today that you see, and how do you beat it? Uh, biggest sales leadership challenge. I mean, it, not to be too repetitive, but I think talent is the biggest challenge, right? right. I mean. How do you get and retain, how do you acquire and retain the best sales talent? And I, and I think. And it's a really, war for it, man. It is a battle for that, isn't it? It is. I mean, we see it. We're, we're, we're kind of monitoring the front lines of that talent and starting to kind of play a role in that, obviously, with revenue. But I, I would say that, it, it, again, it goes back to the expectations, right? And it's really, you know, I think you can, you might lose a couple of, acquisition battles but in the long run winning the retention battle is really what's going to separate some of the good sales orgs from the great sales orgs right if you can retain the ta- if you can retain the right fit talent for your organization and you know there's great sales people that won't be a fit for your org you have to determine that up front and not make that connection and not not make that higher uh, based on that. So, so I think just retaining talent and setting the proper expectations up front, just Love it. like what we talked about a minute Love ago. Love it. No, that, that distinction, it's not just retention, but it's retention of the right ones. That's, right. that's insightful stuff. We could have a show just on that, man. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll have you back in six months and we'll talk about that one. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So number two, you, you're, you've been part of building lots of teams. You've helped organizations build teams. When you're looking to add people to a team, do you have a go-to interview topic or question? And what is it you're looking to leverage when you, when you ask that or that question or topic? Yeah. I mean, there's so much content about this. So everybody has their own slant on it. One of the things I always like is I, I, 
I just feel like intellectual curiosity is such a strong trait for salespeople mm. um, because it focuses on and it, and it enables them to naturally want to do discovery. You want to learn about a business. You want to learn about a company. You want to learn about your dis- decision maker's role and background. So intellectual curiosity for me is super important. And a lot of times where I try and figure that out is what questions they have for us. And so I try and carve off and would try and carve off more time for that conversationally and just say like, like, you know, if it's a complicated business, like what questions yet are you trying to really dig in and understand that business? What is the line of questioning that they have? Are they curious about different things? So be prepared sales professionals with, with good questions. Some of the orgs will, will not give you an opportunity to ask too many, but be prepared. It also obviously shows that they are prepared, but just can I suss out how intellectually curious they are? uh, through those, uh, the line of questioning. And so I, I, you know, that plus, you know, maybe a bonus topic, like what'd you do to prepare for this interview? To me, I always like, you know, kind of, sometimes I'll start out with that question just to see, you know, what did they do to prepare for the interview? I'm always, I love it. I'm always curious. Final one, man, leaders are readers. And, uh, we found that the great leaders never stop trying to learn. And I don't care if it's an audible or if it's a book or if it's something that's shorter, uh, you know, shorter bites, like, a podcast or a, or a blog, uh, we found that the great ones never stop trying to improve themselves. Is there anything you'd suggest to our our listeners that they start to consume that that has been helpful to you? I mean, yeah, yeah. So much of this is personal preference, of course. I don't I don't really read kind of sales methodology books for the most okay. part because a lot of them are pretty similar and yeah, um, more motivational. I think there's a couple that you know, or, or occasionally a, a rep or somebody should read one. But I I love just kind of general business books, kind of, you know, biographical type business books that tell the story of the most successful companies, like the, uh, a few examples, I'm just staring at my bookshelf right now, a few examples of Netflix recently, Shoe Dog, um, Bad Blood, although that, that Bad Blood, you can't, you can't place that into the successful category. That's just more of an entertaining business read. That's the Theranos, Theranos book. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I've that, I got to read that one. I haven't read yeah. that one. Yeah. Wright Brothers is a great book for entrepreneurship. And, you know, if you're a history buff, you can kind of get, you check two boxes with that one. And if, you, if you're a fan of um, Bad Blood, the Theranos, crazy Theranos story, you should read The Smartest Guys in the Room, uh, which is a kind of a similar story, but it's the Enron story, which goes okay. into goes into some detail. So I, that's the kind of Fantastic. stuff that I'm reading. Yeah, check those out. Shoe Dog's uh, my personal favorite. It's one of my top three favorites I've ever read. That's a good one. So, yeah. Yep. Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog's yeah, a good one. I yep. love that. But l- listen, we've taken up all the time, man. This has been a terrific conversation. Ryan, I'm really grateful that you would come and share your perspective on this topic that I think is so important. How do people connect with you? How do they get more of you? How do they learn more about RepView? You know, we got a lot of people. We got thousands of people that are listening to this conversation. There will be some that want to continue to, to follow what you got to say. How do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. I post almost daily, maybe not quite, but almost daily on LinkedIn. So you can follow me on LinkedIn as well. Super easy. And all the content that I post is pretty related to some of the conversation that we've had it today. Is. Yeah, it is. Compensation, attainment. So that's super easy. Repview.com, R-E-P-B-U-E. We're not French, but uh, it's a short six character URL um, that we love. Uh, so go to RepView. You can add a rating in about two minutes for any B2B sales org that you've worked for. And if you do that, then you can access all this data on all these companies. Super simple to, to do. When you do that, after you do it, send me a message on LinkedIn personally. 
connect with me and tell me what you liked about RepView and what else you'd like to see from us on RepView. Um, you know, we've got some cool stuff planned, but all of it we're building from feedback from our users. So those are two easy ways uh, to, to, to find me or connect with me. Hey, this guy has led teams at the highest level. He continues to help salespeople and sales leaders around the world. Uh, the work that they do is, is absolutely critical in helping people solve that attainment problem uh, and, and help organizations hit new heights as a result. Ryan, it's been my pleasure to have you on our show. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And Ryan's work is super important. I've been really excited to get him on the show. And ever since I recorded, I've been excited for this one to go live. Um, and the reason is simple. Ryan helps sales reps achieve more successful careers. And he also helps sales leaders find better stops in their careers. And that's super important. That's that's why I do what I do. That's why I have this show. It's for one reason. It's to help sales leaders be more successful and for no other reason. And that's the biggest reason why I chose to partner with Scipio and take them as our very first sponsor of the show after three years. Three years, half a million downloads, uh, never taking a sponsor. Scipio, I get hit up all the time. I took Scipio because I just love their mission. Their mission is real simple. It's to help salespeople be more successful by getting texting done right. And after our episode last week with Eric Buckley, where he talked about how to get texting right, I had a lot of sales managers hit me up and tell me just how much they like the Scipio platform. It's simplicity, the power of its features, the impact that happens when you get texting done right. It makes the Scipio tool a no-brainer for the modern salesperson. Listen, not all text messaging platforms are created equal. I've looked at a lot. And if you're looking to engage more with your clients and you're also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, just start using Scipio. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. And it's just that simple. I know the team personally. I know they'll give you an amazing experience. And I've got a situation where you can try it for free with no strings. Compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Just head to Scipio. Tell them I sent you by using the code Rob, R-O-B, on the sign-up page. Go to the sign-up page, enter code Rob, watch it go from whatever package you pick down to zero. So my advice, pick the sweetest package, put in that code, watch it turn to zero, and then get texting done right and get blown away just how quickly the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, I also bring this podcast to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most leaders, you've been left to figure out your leadership system on your own. And if that's the case, hit me up. If nothing else, have a resource to talk to because while there's no shortcuts to success, you absolutely positively can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content in my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. It's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's got my very best content and over a 100 hours of training materials. You can find everything you need in Sales Leadership United. But if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a great time to give it a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline, they invest in themselves. So save your most precious resource. Save time. Small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can win just a little more and just a little faster, you'll create massive results. And if you want to find those small advantages that create massive results, you got to hit me up today. Now, back to Ryan. Ryan is a treasure trove of knowledge. Man, I love the knowledge he just drops. One in 50 sales orgs have only 50% of their reps hitting goal, right? 
Quotatainment always has been and always will be one of those linchpins in the ultimate success of a sales leader. And in the time uh, between recording this episode and it going live, you know, congrats to Ryan and his RepView team. They closed an exciting seed round of funding because demystifying what leads reps to have success is such a big deal. You know, and he's rating these these firms that are helping reps win. It's a great service, and, and I'm I'm happy for your success, Ryan, and for your team. Um, as you, as a sales leader, figure out what you're going to do in the second half of the year, you got to be you got to make the decision to be the kind of leader that can help those you lead win, and be that kind of leader that can demystify the attainment process, because hitting the number matters, and and helping your reps hit that number matters. I have seen a ton of ways of looking at this. You know, there's some simple things like what's the percent hitting goal? What's the percent at 50 to 80% of goal? And then what's the percent at 50% or lower? It doesn't matter how you skin it, how you look at it. There's no doubt that we have attainment problems. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. There's a lot of drivers on it. Ryan talked about some of them. But this is a fact that will never go away. We always have been and we always will be judged in part by our ability to build a team that can hit goal. And add to that, we got attrition coming back. Attrition was big pre-COVID, and now it's coming back now that things are revving up. April's turnover numbers were the highest we've seen in years, in 20 years. So as leaders, you better be the kind of leader that can beat that trend of attainment going down and, and turnover going up because that is not a recipe for a great sales leadership career. And that's why Ryan was such an important guest. Okay, It's why our topic today was such an important topic. And if you're that leader that still wants to say it's a numbers game, I had someone say that to me this week. It's not a numbers game. Ryan made that very clear. You got to look past the numbers. We've got to figure out how to help people improve and do more than just work hard. So I, I'm just, I think this is such an important and timely topic right now. This week, just, just the other day, I met with somebody, um, a, a team that had me on site that wanted to talk to me about helping them with their sales leadership plan. And it was interesting because they shared their team, their plan with me, and they based their forecast on what their very best rep was capable of doing, and they thought they could just scale that level of performance. And while I'm a big fan of optimism, I think you got to be able to do more than than just count on the very best reps in the world working for you. I think you got to be able to find ways to win with an average Joe working on your team. And if you require the most sophisticated, most experienced, and most successful reps to win, I think you're in trouble. Your ability to scale is going to come in creating a system that can be applied to sharp, smart people, hardworking people, but they don't have to necessarily be world-class expert or a subject matter expert in your field. You've got to be able to find ways to help them win in just a few months. And if you can build a system that can be broadly applied and widely adopted, then you've got a good chance to be successful. And so I really liked how Ryan tied together attainment, expectation management, and then ownership of the plan and make them work together and how he really took on that paradox. I love how he called it a paradox of how companies try to model in our failure as, as leaders, um, which is why those that can beat that failure model, they become legendary because they don't simply rely on the stars. And so, as you know, right now we're entering the second half of the 2021 fiscal year. Most sales leaders I speak with want the second half of the year to outperform the first or, at worst case, 
equal the performance. But listen, we're in the growth business. We're expected to have quarter over quarter and year after year growth. And that means we got to be able to pull levers intentionally to help drive change. So don't lose track of Ryan's advice and stay close to the details because there is a big difference between micromanagement and micro-awareness. Understand what those things are because then you have the ability to either drive success or drag success. To use Ryan's words, I love that quote. There are X number of things that will either drive success or drag success. And I think that's why your most important thing you got to decide is can you stay in the improvement business? Not just the performance business, the improvement business. Keep reinventing, keep measuring, you know, either do different things or do the things you're doing differently. And maybe the best advice Ryan gave us was to make sure that we're not afraid of getting our hands dirty and keeping them dirty. Because if you lose sight of what drives success, it ain't going to be long until you lose too. So Ryan, my friend, thanks so much for joining me on this killer topic. I appreciate you sharing your experiences of how great leaders use details to both manage up and lead up. How the great leaders stay close to the details to stay relevant and make a difference. Your insights will help leaders worldwide tap tap into this very personal way of connecting with our customers. Okay, And if you haven't already, do yourself a favor and check out RepView. Connect with Ryan. I promise you he will help you in a number of ways. I always look forward to the content that he shares. I also want to give a quick shout out and a thanks to Scipio. If you haven't already, make sure you check out, check them out. Head over to Scipio.com. Take advantage of their free 30-day trial and use their tool for yourself. Go to the sign-up link, enter the code ROB, and start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with. You'll get results faster than you may have ever thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. Man, it's been three years that we've been doing this show. We've had a lot of downloads and we've had some crazy good guests. And I think the best is yet to come. And so if you like this episode and if you've ever gotten any advice that you liked from the show, please head over and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long ways in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. And I want to finish the way I always do. I want to remind you to choose to be elite, choose to live strong, and don't ever stop chasing your passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.